Thank you, Lord. I want you to thank God for whatever it is you're needing, even if you don't feel like you have it in your hand yet, because he's already promised to give it to you. He's already promised. So I want you to thank him in advance for what... God, thank you for my healing. Thank you for my peace. Thank you for my provision. Thank you, God. God is so good. Hallelujah. And my topic today is deception. Deception. I felt for a couple of weeks the Lord wanted me to minister on deception. I didn't know how he wanted me to go. I've ministered on it a couple of times and it was none of those. So I I think it's a little bit different than what we maybe we're used to hearing as far as deception goes. But, you know, we live in an age where it is total deception, right? It tells us in Revelations that the devil came to deceive the world. And he said he deceives the whole world. Have we ever heard so much deception? Let me translate that. Fake news in our life as we hear today. And I'm not just talking about through the media. I'm talking about just in life. Just in life. Not just through the TV. But in life, people, people's minds are going into nothing. We call them thinking errors in counseling. A thinking error is when a person believes something that's not based on any reality of truth. It's not based on any facts of truth. So we have we can be self-deceived or we can be internally deceived or we can be externally deceived. So when we are internally deceived, we, that's self-deception that occurs because we're believing something outside of the truth. You know, one of the things that the devil wants to deceive people on is to believe that the Bible, that the body of Christ is not important, the church is not important. When he very clearly said in the last days, make sure you don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. I had somebody recently tell me this this week actually that they just felt like they needed to get away and be with God. And I think that's wonderful, but but church is important. I've I've served the Lord for forty years. I've never seen a thing going on in my life that I that I felt was more important than me being in the gathering together of the body of saints on when we come together. Never in forty years. It's a deception of the enemy to make you think to pull you out so you can find God or find what you're looking for. That's not God. When his word clearly says it. But we hear these little things and we, and we truly in our heart, and these are good people and we mean right and we, and we mean well, but the enemy wants to deceive because he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so self-deception occurs when we don't know the truth. It occurs when we, we don't think it's important to get our children into church. That's a self-deception. That's a lie of the enemy. The most important thing we can do is get our children into church if you're a parent. After you get yourself in church, right? <laughs> That's the most important thing that we can do. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. There's a way that makes sense in our mind, but it really results in death. That's self-deception. But there's also external deception. And that's things that, that uh, external peer pressure, those type of things. I'll just go back, way back, and back when I was a kid, and that's a long time before some of you guys, but remember the Marlboro Man, some of you guys? If you smoke the Marlboro cigarettes, you're going to be the coolest thing in history. You're going to look like this guy all buffed out and everything. You know, so what did people do? They go and buy Marlboro cigarettes thinking it's the greatest thing in the world. Or how about buying certain name brands that just seem to add value to our life? Or how about drugs will make you feel better? Drugs and alcohol make me look cool if I'm sitting here sipping something, you know. With, you know, it, it irritates me to see believers on Facebook that have to show that they're drinking alcoholic beverages. If you're going to drink them, keep it to yourself. 
Because you could mislead somebody that has a problem with that, right? I'm not saying that's for you and God to work out. But but see, what we do is, oh, if they're doing it, it must be okay. And they don't know that they've got an addictive cycle in their family that's going to destroy them. We need to be careful. So we can have external and we can have internal deception. And, 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 and like I said a moment ago, thinking errors are the worst things. And, and, you know, things like, well, life just isn't fair. Well, Jesus made it fair, right? We can look at life and say, well, I wasn't born like this person was born, but Jesus made it all fair. We can say things like, everybody's out to get me. There's no hope. I'm, there's no future for me. That's a thinking error. If the Word of God says that he has your plan wrapped up, in his book, every, every day of your life is written in his book. So when we say that I don't have a plan, I don't know what I would go, you, you need to go to the book. You need to go to the God. He's got the plan for us. We don't need to walk around in confusion. We don't need to walk around in confusion. I've seen people that stumbled through trying to make a decision on what God wants them to do for years. I'm thinking, just get in God's presence. He'll tell you. I don't see anywhere that God just strings it all out. If, he, if, there, if we're not getting the answer, he's not the problem. Right? If we're not getting the answer, he's not the problem. You know, sometimes people just think, well, I'm always going to struggle with this. Well, that's a good attitude. That's what's going to happen. You're going to get what you say. Because the Word of God says you're a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. That you're an overcomer. You don't have to struggle with anything. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. I loved your testimony, Brenda. You just got tired, sick and tired of it, right? You got to go. You got to go. We take authority because we believe what God's word said. Too many times we come into agreement with the enemy. And we begin to believe what the doctors have said, what the, what the economy is saying. You know, in the, in the midst of famine, Isaac planted and had a hundredfold return. The same land the Philistines were planting in. He got a hundredfold return and said he had so much of a, a, a bounty that they got jealous and envious of him. See, that's what should be happening. We don't, we don't grab hold of the philosophy of the world. We just say, God, you know, you're going to bless me so much, the world is going to want to come to me and say, what are you doing? I want to know this God that you know. That's what we should, that's what we should be expecting. So what, how and where did deception originate? Let's go back to the Bible, right? John eight forty four. Jesus says, you are talking to, talking to the Pharisees, but he was talking to Satan. But he was talking to the Pharisees and scribes and all the religious people. He says, you are the offspring of your father, the devil, and you serve your father very well, passionately carrying out his desires. Okay? And it says, he's been a murderer right from the start. Remember, murder and hate are synonymous in Scripture. If you hate your brother, it's the same, same as murdering. He said, you've been a murderer right from the start. He never stood with the one who is the true prince, for he's full of nothing but lies. Lying in his native tongue. Listen to this. He is a master of deception and father of lies. So we see that the originator of deception is, is who? Satan, the devil. And then in Revelation it says, So the great dragon was thrown down once and for all. He was the serpent, the ancient snake called the devil, clearly identifying what went on in Genesis chapter 3. He said, And Satan who deceives the whole world. So all this deception, all these lies, all this confusion that's going on in our nation, in the world, is simply a, the devil is the initiator, the instigator of it, and the perpetuator of it. 
He said, he is cast down into heaven and his angels along with him. So he is the master and the source of deception. So where did it begin? We go back to, I always like to go back into the scripture and say, where's the uh, first time that we see any particular topic? And we'll get the kind of the, we'll get a lot of information out of that. We'll get a lot of information out of the first time something occurred. And so we go back to Genesis chapter 3 and it says, And the Lord asked the woman, you know the story, the Adam and Eve, the biting the fruit and all this other thing that, that we've seen. And, 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 and then it, the Lord comes to, to Eve and says, Then the Lord asked the woman, What have you done? I think God would come to each one of us today and say, What, ha- what were you thinking? What have you done? And this is what Eve said, The serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. You know, I read that this, this week and I thought, I wonder how she knew what deception was. I wonder how she knew what deception was. Of course, she had all wisdom and not because she was in total communion with God. So it's, it's like, kind of like we don't know what deception is. We've never seen deception, but the devil deceived me. So God, she had that awareness of sin already. And then it's, it says the serpent deceived me. So if we look at that word deceive, it means to cause someone to believe an untruth, to lead astray or to seduce. I want us to look at what's going on in our minds and our hearts and our lives. What lies are we believing that's causing us to remain in a place of bondage, poverty, sickness, disease, unrest? What lies are we believing? Where has the enemy deceived us out of believing that this word is truth? And then Genesis 4, 3, 4 through 7, what was the untruth that the devil said, told to Eve? It's the same thing he tells to us. He said, you won't die. Because he had asked Eve, he said... He said, can you really not eat of all these trees? And she said, oh, no, we're going to die if we eat, the, you know, eat of the tr- one tree, fruit of the one tree. Oh, no, you won't die. See, this is the way the devil comes to us today. He, oh, no, Annette, no, you're not going to die. Oh, no, that's okay, Lynn, you can do that. That's okay, Terry, you don't have to be forgiving. You don't have to live morally. You don't have to do what the Word says. You won't do that. And he says, the serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She listened to the devil and was convinced. Now this woman had been walking in intimacy with God. She listened to the devil and was convinced. This is where we fall into deception. We become convinced that a lie is greater than the truth. We become convinced that this word is no longer valid. That God doesn't mean what he said. And it says she saw, listen to this, this is the same way the enemy comes after us. She saw that the tree was beautiful, that its fruit looked delicious, And she wanted the wisdom it could give to her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that very moment, their eyes were open. They suddenly felt the shame of their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. The deception, the very first lie that the enemy convinced Eve of was that God's word and his authority is not valid. You're not going to die. And that's exactly where he gets us. That this word is not valid. The second lie that he got Eve to believe is that that God cares more about God, God cares more about his desires than your desires. In other words, God's character became maligned. That's what I'm trying to say. In other words, God really is not interested in your best interest because he knows when you do this, your eyes are going to be you're going to be just like him. So so he attacked God's authority and he attacked God's character. And that's exactly what the devil does with us. 
And it says in the scripture, it says in Romans 5, 12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So what we see, is, and if you were here Wednesday night, this was brought out so beautifully by Neil Anderson. Adam and Eve were the only ones that were born spiritually alive and physically alive. From that moment on, everybody's been born spiritually dead. Because the sin of Adam, which brought death, has been transferred now to every person. And this is why Jesus had to come to give us a relifing, a rebirthing, to open up that spiritual. It's so important to understand the importance of the gospel and what Jesus did for us. And it says in Romans 5, 17, because of this sin of Adam and Eve, death came to rule over many. Death came to rule over many. The devil knew that his own sin had caused him to lose relationship with God and what he was going after someone else. The devil knew exactly what he was doing. His own sin of pride and rejection of God caused him to lose a relationship. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly. See, the, and God wants us, to, I mean, dev, the devil wants us to exalt ourselves above God. He wants our heart to have other things on the throne of our heart so that we can move into idolatry. And that's what it's all about. How was, Adam, how was Satan able to deceive Eve? Verse 6, this says, The woman was convinced. This is important. The woman was convinced. What are you convinced about today? Are you convinced that what you're trying to do or wanting to do is really more important than the Word of God? Are you convinced that God's Word is not in authority over some of these situations, some of these lifestyles, some of these attitudes? It says, the woman was convinced, listen to this, she saw the tree was beautiful, the fruit looked delicious, she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it, gave to her husband who was with her. So, so Satan appealed to Eve in three areas. She said it was beautiful, the lust of the eye. Said it was delicious, the lust of the flesh. And said she wanted wisdom, the pride of life. That's exactly the same way the devil works on every single one of us. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. And the woman was convinced that what Satan was saying to her was more important and carried more authority than what God had said to her. 1 John 2 tells us, for all that is in the world, listen to this. See, this is nothing new. This was Genesis chapter 3. Here we are at the end of John's life. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the craving for sensual gratification... The lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but they are from the world. It's the very same thing the enemy entices us with. Self-exaltation, self-importance, self-reliance, believing that the word we're smarter than the word of God. From the very, even in the New Testament, one of the very first things that arose up in the new church was something called Gnosticism. And what it is, is basically saying we have this secret knowledge, we have this special knowledge, and we know a little more than you know. So you, you need to come to us for your answers rather than the Word of God. So important. We have to remember that the devil only works on what's already in the flesh. Remember when John, uh, Jesus said in John, he says, the devil has nothing in me, nothing in me belongs to him. That means that the devil had nothing to work with. The devil, that's why this fasting that we're doing is so important. It's not just a bunch of rules and that we don't eat potato chips and don't eat french fries. You don't eat whatever, you don't do whatever's defiling you. 
What has God appealed to you to just to stop doing, to, to change in your life? People call and say, well, I can't eat this. I say, I don't get so hung up on what you eat and don't eat. I want to know what God's been speaking to you. In November, he told me to give up diet sodas, and I did. I thought it was going to kill me, but I did it. And I'm feeling better because of it. Right? Well, there's some other things that he's also telling me that I had to give up. Not that they were bad things, although that was a bad thing. But it's because they were taking my time. They were sucking the life out of my day. And they were not, and the, some of these were work things, church things. See, we get our life out of balance. We get our, we get become so self-important that I've got to work 20 hours out of 24. They beca- and, but God would say, no, you don't balance. There's a Sabbath rest. You know, the, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, by the way. There's a time of pulling ourselves away. There's a time of bringing balance into our life. James 1, 13 through 15 says, Remember to remember, we have to take responsibility. We have to take responsibility. You ever had somebody tell you that God calls this or God calls that? God calls this to happen. I said, no, he didn't. You went and laid up with somebody. That's why that happened. When you weren't supposed to be. Don't come and tell me God calls that when you're out doing what you're not supposed to be doing. You're old enough to know what makes that happen. Right? If you're not doing it God's way, then it's sin. Right? I'm not a very compassionate counselor at times, I guess. <laughs> this is what the Word of God says. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. This is how temptation temptation comes from our own desires. What are we feeding into our minds? What are we feeding into our life? What kind of fleshly desires are we creating in our life? That's where temptation comes from. If you, it, you, know, if you focus on something long enough, you become like it. If you focus on violence, you become violent. If you focus on immorality, you're going to be immoral. You focus on deception, you're going to be a liar and a cheat and a thief. He says, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. See, it usually never just, you don't just get up in the morning and decide you're going to go do something crazy, right? There's been a, been a process usually. There's usually been a process usually. And it says, these desi- listen, that you have the desires, they drag you away. The desires give birth to sinful actions. Desires are your thoughts. Your thoughts create emotions. Emotions create actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it brings birth to death. I, can, I just believe that probably... Eve was looking at that tree for a long time before she ever, the devil ever showed. He knows exactly when to show up, doesn't he? He knows what you're doing. He knows what buttons to push. But I have a feeling that Eve was looking at that tree. My boy, that sure looks like good fruit. I don't know why we can't eat of that fruit. And the devil was sitting there waiting, just waiting. And he pulled on that desire that was in her. He tempted her with that desire, enticed her, drug her away into sin and rebellion. And that's exactly what he does with us. Jesus warns us about deception. In Matthew 24, 24, he says, For false messiahs, false prophets, false politicians, false people, false teachers are going to arise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. This is why we tell you in the church, stay in the Word. Don't just live on Sunday morning food. You get in the Word yourself. You spend time in prayer. You seek God. God, what is it I need to get rid of so I can get closer to you? That's what we need to do. 
2 Timothy 3.13 says, But evil people and impostors will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. They will just, and uh, Proverbs 5.22 says, An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. But evil people and impostors are going to flourish. Have we seen that happen in our culture today, in our world today? I mean, I've lived a long time, let me tell you, and I'm telling you there's a difference. This is not just, oh, this is the way it's always been. No, there is a difference. There's a difference from 10 years ago. There's a difference from 20 years ago. And evil has flourished. Evil has flourished. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. We talked, I think it was a week or so ago, about this one, the Hillsong guy that's now turning from his faith. He's not sure he believes anymore. And he says the reason is he's seeing all these things and nobody wants to talk about these issues that are going on in the body of Christ. So people that are even, that has written beautiful worship music, they're turning away from God. Ministers are turning away from God. They're falling into sin. They're, you know, we have to check the flesh. You have to check, you know, if, if you've got a, a problem with the lust, then you don't need to be watching certain things on TV and going to certain movies. What are you doing? You're enticing the flesh. You're giving temptation to those desires. What you need to do is stay away from that stuff. Right? That's right. That's right. And Paul warned Timothy that in the last days there was going to be a powerful deception that brings doctrines of demons. Now, doctrine is something going on inside the church as well as outside the church, right? The teaching of demons is a teaching that is inconsistent with the Word of God. It's doctrine that causes us to depend upon self-reliance, self-promotion, self-revelation. You know, last week I told you one of the ways to to become that person that's in that kingdom that's unshakable is that you have to be a person of the Word. You're not a lone ranger. Don't think that I've got this private interpretation of Scripture... And, you know, just because, you know, all of a sudden in the 2,000 years or 6,000 years after the Word of God was recorded and written, suddenly we've got this awesome revelation that's totally counter to everything anybody's ever believed or taught. That's a real red flag that it might not be truth. Right? The same Holy Spirit. You don't think the Holy Spirit would have given people revelation 2,000 years ago about some things? All of a sudden now, because since we have all these doctrines of demons, we have delusions going on in the body of Christ, we have delusions going on in the world, now suddenly we have all this special revelation. It's a doctrine of demons if it doesn't agree with the Word. And you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a theological giant to know some truth. You don't have to. God didn't make the Word that way. It's the doctrine that justifies sin and encourages others to do it based on the twisting of the Scripture. Let me give you some examples. First, when it came, these are just some that came to my mind. I'm sure there's many, many more. Hypergrace. Hypergrace. This hypergrace says that God is such a loving God that He wants us to be so happy and He's already forgiven every sin we could ever commit, so repentance isn't necessary. Hypergrace is all about repentance. That, and we know that God's already forgiven all sin, right? We also know that he wants us to repent if we do sin. First John says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sin. What if we're walking in fellowship, right? And then it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. See, self-deception. If we say we have no sin, truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So this hyper grace simply means that believers can act any old way they want to act against biblical standards without any consequences from God, without repentance. And we know that repentance clears the way. It clears the way. Just as, just as the devil spoke to Eve, he said, you don't, have, you don't have to worry about dying. Eat that apple. God said you could just, he said, don't touch the tree, but that's okay. God's, you know, God, you're in relationship. God's good. God's real good with this thing. And we saw how it appealed to her, and that's how the devil works. Number two, a number two doctrine of demons is that the denial of the deity of Christ as Lord and Savior. We hear this a lot, and we, who, these, all of these, you need to get off these Hollywood prophets, right? I mean, this, some of these view women, I've heard, I don't listen to it, but I've heard some of the stories they, they have to say, you know, well, there's many ways to God. The Bible says there's only one way. And so what they're saying is Jesus is really not Lord and King. As he says, Acts 4, 11 and 12 says that Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name given where we can be saved. See, so Satan, doing the same thing he did to Eve, he caused her to question the authority of the Word. He does the same thing to us. I told you a moment ago, we're all born spiritually dead, right? Even that precious little baby that was born, wherever they are, is spiritually dead. They're physically alive, they're spiritually dead. That child has to be born again, or it's not going to have a relationship with God. There's no other way out. And so this is why people believe sometimes, but if they don't understand this, they think they were born a certain way, and they have no victory over it. You know, when people say to me, I was born gay, I said, yes, you were. And I tell them, I've told you this, but you're born a liar, a cheat, a thief, and everything else that you are. But the Bible tells us that we have the authority to break the power through the blood of Jesus, that power of sin. Yes, we were all born wrong. We were all born evil. We were all born with sinful patterns because we were born spiritually dead. But through Christ, we have the ability, Romans 5, 16, and 17 says, And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we were guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Listen to this. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus. So whatever you struggle with in the flesh, you have the ability to triumph over it if you're in relationship with God. If the Word of God says it's not good, it's not good. If the Word of God says it's a sin, it's sin. If it was a sin 2,000 years ago, it's a sin today. If it's an abomination to God, it's an abomination today. You see, we've got to quit listening to the enemy, and he's got a lot of false prophets out there telling you different. And they're even in the church. We've got one denomination getting ready to split over one agenda, the gay agenda. And, you know, we love people. We don't care what they are. We just want them to know Jesus and want them to be free. We want what's best for people. Right? You can't be a murderer and a thief and, and know that your life is going to be used for what's best for God. You know, in Ephesians 2.10, he says, Your head's masterpiece. He's already given you all the plan for your life. That plan did not include a life of sin of any kind. Number three is that the truth found in the Word of God is not relevant today. That's another doctrine of demons. Well, that's just the book is outdated. No, it's not. You know why it's not outdated? Because all sin has the same pattern. 
The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. There's not a sin you can tell me about that doesn't originate from one of these three sources. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. See, abortion is an immorality issue. Abortion is an immorality issue. It's a lust of the flesh issue, right? That's what abortion is all about. This excessive need for these, this grandiose lifestyle, that's the lust of the eye. I've got to have more, got to have more because my identity is wrapped up in what I possess. Or I've got to get all this wisdom and knowledge so I can be superior. That's the pride of life. Or I know more than you know. I've got this secret knowledge or this corner on God. That's the pride of life. Psalms 119.89 says, The word of the Lord is forever fixed in the heavens. In other words, he didn't change his mind. He didn't change his mind. You know, if God changed his mind on some issues, then I'd have to question if healing is still for today. If God says that, oh, well, that sin's okay today, then I have to say then the promise is not okay. I'd have to question that. Right? Does that just make sense? If the word if the word changed, then where did it stop changing? I just don't believe it. He says his word is forever fixed in the heavens. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. John 17, 17 said, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. God's word is truth. And many are self-deceived because they have listened to a voice of deception tell them they have to do a certain thing or believe a certain way. You know, I've heard people say talk, that we're not married. I have needs. Well, God knew you had needs, and he made, he made a condition for those needs to be met, and he set boundaries for those needs to be met. Or I deserve these things. I, you don't deserve anything, right? God has given to us everything we have. Or how about the pride? I'm in charge. I know what's best for me. We don't have a clue. I'm hardly not to get in out of the rain, right? And it wasn't for God giving us the wisdom to do it, the knowledge to do it, Right? And we know, we've said it before, the problem with deception is that it deceives. That's the problem with deception. And it comes to us many times, all the time, I believe, hidden in a cloak of disguise. And in Second Thessalonians 2, Paul said, talking about the end time again, for the lawlessness is already at work, how? Secretly. Secretly. And it will remain a secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. I told Terry, I said, I feel like I'm going to have another message following up. Next week we've got a powerful message coming from John on water baptism. I I can't wait to hear that. But there's also scripture that reveals to us that if we continue to follow sin, God will allow hardening of our heart. So we're led into deeper and deeper and deeper deception. We need to tear that apart and see what that's really saying. So he, every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love. Listen, this is it. They refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. Rather than believing the truth. The devil is working secretly in the lives of people, our nation, our families, our churches. He works behind the scene in families and churches causing disruption and strife and discord, backbiting, belittling, questions of suspicion. 
I think about people that come into a church, and we've all seen it for years, and, oh, they love you, love you, love you, and then all of a sudden, all behind, but secretly there's this, there's this suspicion, there's these comments, there's these things being said, and they come in telling you one day they love you, next day, well, I'm out of here. See, they've been deceived, but there was a secret deception that was going on in the lives of people. This didn't just happen overnight. It didn't just happen overnight. The secret is that we've got to come out of hiding. The secret is bringing that deception out of hiding. And Jesus also talked about the secret work of the enemy. In Matthew 16, he said, he's talking to his disciples, and he just multiplied the bread, and he's, oh, we forgot we don't have any bread. And he says, Jesus, how is it that you fail to understand that I, not spe- did I, did, I did not speak about bread? He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he said, then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Mark eight fifteen, it says, he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Three different types of leaven that, that well, first of all, what is leaven? When you think about leaven today, you talk about, think about yeast, right? And what yeast does is it converts convert starches to sugar, sugars to alcohol, they release carbon dioxide, that's what causes our bread to rise, right? Okay, so it brings an obvious change, although if you're looking at a, if you're looking at a mix of your flour and your, you can't tell the yeast from the flour, right? And it takes a very small portion of it to cause this big loaf to rise. And also we have to know that conditions have to be right for it to work. Conditions have to be right for the, the yeast to work in the bread. Certain temperature, certain humidity, all these things. We also know that it takes time to process. You getting a picture here? And it can be undetected visibly in the bread before or during or a, until after the process. Only after the process is it visible, the effect of the yeast in the bread. And usually there's a thing called a starter. Anybody, anybody ever made bread before? You have a starter that you just keep. And what that starter is, that starter just influences the next loaf. Well, spiritually, leaven is something that penetrates and changes at deep levels in the lives of people. And it follows the same pattern. It has powerful influence. And it can be good or bad. And Jesus talks about being good or bad. But he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the scribes, and Herod. It can be a sinful influence. What is the leaven of the Pharisees? If we look at this, we'll see it was a legalistic and religious gospel, a list of rules. It says, beware of the leaven of, relig- of a religious spirit, a list of rules, and, and basically no relationship. Beware of the leaven of a list of rules. Religiosity, a spirit of religion that puts you in bondage, that takes you somewhere God doesn't want you to go, that requires more than God even requires. Don't sit under the thumb of anybody that requires what God doesn't require from you. The, the leaven of the Sadducees was a powerless gospel. They did not believe in the resurrection. They had a form of godliness but no power. See, that's something we want to get away from. We, we, don't, we, want a, we want word in power, right? Not just word. We want demonstration of the word. We, we want that word to be confirmed with signs, wonders, and miracles. That's, what, that's the evidence of the scripture. God promises us that. And, the, and Herod's leaven is that of a hidden agenda gospel. Now, what's in it for me? How can I benefit from this? How can you benefit me? What do you have for me? And we come to, many times people will come to churches where God has sent them and leave because I just don't find what I'm needing there. Well, maybe you're what they need there. More than you, maybe more than you getting is you, you giving, right? 
So it's what's in it for me type of gospel. And so we have to, we have to be very careful that we don't allow these, these doctrines of demons, this secret leaven, this secret the, uh, power of the enemy that's working behind the scenes to take root in our life and manifest itself in our life. Are we ever falling to that religious spirit? I've heard it for years. Well, I can't pray like so-and-so, so I don't pray. That's a religious spirit. I've heard people say, well, I don't want to read the Bible for a year because that's legalistic. No, it's not. It's just developing a discipline. Now, if you get guilty because of it, then you've got a religious spirit, right? You know, I tell people, if you miss a weekday, just go catch up the next day. Don't worry about it. Don't get yourself all wrapped up in it. Well, if you pray an hour and I only prayed 30 minutes, well, I'm condemned. No, just pray 30 minutes. 30 minutes is better than... I'd rather my daughter call me and talk for 30 minutes than not call me at all. Or just keep prolonging it for an hour and just to say nothing, right? (laughs) So, So we need to beware of that leaven. So how is it that we can fall prey to to deception? And this came out of Derek Prince's book. I love I love his teachings, and it's called Protection from Deception. It's a great book if you want to read. It's an old book, very old. But James three fifteen says that this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And this is really the progression that that happens. First of all, we become earthly. We focus on the earthly life and nothing more. Physical pleasures. We complain about everything. It's too hot. It's too cold. I don't like somebody got my seat. The music's too loud. The music's too low. I don't like the songs. I love the songs. You know, I don't like the message today because it's making me feel condemned. Well, if it's making us feel condemned, then we need to think it's for us, right? Remember, it always works on me before you ever get it, right? So we become earthly. We just focus on the earthly things. We're not storing up treasures in heaven. Everything is based on what's in it for me or how can I benefit. Or is it going to be fun? Is it going to be comfortable? We live in a we live in an entertainment crazy culture. Number two, it says it says it's unspiritual and unspiritual and soulish. In other words, egotistical, self-absorbed. We become so self-absorbed because the world is all about self. I saw that little commercial again, the iPhone 11. Guy shaking his face. He said, "Now you can do slow motion." Have y'all seen that slow motion selfies? I thought, give me a break. Are we so self-absorbed that now we have to do slow motion selfies? You know, and when you see, when you see, there's nothing wrong with somebody taking a picture. I don't have a problem with that. But I, I, we quit following the ministry because every time you turn around, he was taking a picture of himself and throwing it up on Facebook. I said, I don't have time for this. I mean, let's get some pictures of God or some people, you know, some ministry going on or some, some things. So if... Put your picture up, but I mean, don't become so self-absorbed, you know. I've seen some people be almost half naked, and they put, I think, you think that looks good? I can't imagine. That's, that's called deception. You got bulges everywhere and stuff hanging out and, you know, stuff. And they think they're looking hot. And they're looking like snot. So <laughs> But anyway, we become so self-absorbed and deceived. Number three, he said, we go from earthly to unspiritual to demonic. And that's where idolatry becomes present. We no longer hold God in all but man or the creation of man. We, we, finally, the demonic takes over and rules our life. And then how, do we, how do, can we know if we are prone for deception? Some of you might ask yourself, well, am I prone for deception? Let me just give you some of the things that Derek Prince put in his book. 
Number one, he says, I rely on subjective impressions. We see this a lot in the body of Christ. We get out of we depend on emo, an emotion rather than on the truth of God's word. I just feel like God is telling me this, and it has not even any balance or any any foundation in Scripture. I just feel like God's telling me to do this. I worked with a lady. I, mean, I did some ministry with a lady twenty, thirty, or forty years ago, and she said she just felt like God told her to move to. I told you this before, Ohio, and marry this guy. Well, the unfortunate thing was he was already married. But she quit her job, moved to Ohio, and she soon moved back. See, it's just, I feel like God is telling me to do that. You know, God, God speaks to us, there's no doubt about it. But he also gave us a brain to use, right? Let's not check our brains at the door, right? You know, if God brought you out of something, don't get the impression that I feel like I need to go back and do this. Don't clo- open a door God has closed in your life. You're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble, a lot of frustrations if we're, if we're not careful. So number two is we blindly trust human beings because of position, notoriety, or title. Ask, does a person have the fruit of the Spirit in their life? Are they walking in love? Are they walking in love? It's amazing to me how many offended people are drawn back to offended people. It's amazing to me. It's, it's like a magnet. They just get sucked right back in. And I'm thinking, they get, a, they get offended and they go right back to somebody else who was... Why? Because that, that familiar spirit draws... We cannot be manipulated or controlled by anything or anyone other than Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, you don't need... There's, I love counseling, I do. But I tell people, this is all I have to offer you right here. And if you, don't, if you go to counseling and they don't point you to Him, you need to run, right? And if you, don't go, if you go to counseling and they don't point you to what can you do for yourself through this Word, you better run. Because you're going to get dependent on a person. And you become unaccountable, and you become, and it's it's really not what God intends. So we we have to be careful that we don't become manipulated or controlled by anything or anyone. Jesus said, "A tree is known by its fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. Is this person walking in love? What's their what's their hidden agenda? You know, run. And we've been to meetings where they said, the Lord told me everybody's supposed to give five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. Run from that, unless God told you to do it, right?" Number three, we accept supernatural signs as a guarantee of truth. Remember, the devil can, is capable of false signs and wonders. We accept supernatural signs as a guarantee of truth. Is it truly a manifestation of spirit and does it agree with the scripture? Or does it contradict the word of God? I love signs, wonders, and miracles, but I'm, I don't like flesh. I don't like flesh. You can flop on the floor like a fish, but is anything happening when you're there? Or is it just the, is it just the flesh demonstration? If God puts you on the floor, stay on the floor and get something. But, you know, if God, if you just don't have one person say, oh, man, I just love falling in the Spirit, I'm thinking, well, what's it done for you? It didn't do much. Right? <laughs> Four, refu- I refuse suffering or persecution. I believe that only good things will happen. This is a distortion of the Word of Faith movement. The Word of Faith is very valid, but this is a distortion of the Word of Faith movement. And Kenneth Hagin never taught this stuff. But, uh, you know, we're just, if, if anything's wrong in my life, I must have sin in my life, or I'm out of faith, or, or and that's not supposed to be happening to me. So what do we do? We live in, we live in a, a falseness. We live in a deception. And um, we are told that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but he's going to deliver us out of them all, Right? If we're walking around thinking that everybody that has a problem is out of faith or in sin, that's a deception on our part. It's going to cause a lot of problems in the body of Christ. 
We, we know some people that every time somebody left their church, they were out of God's will. And every time something happened to them, that was God's judgment on them. Sick. That's sick. Horrible. It's horrible. And number five, are we ignorant of Scripture? Ignorance of the Word of God, the truth, is what leads us into error. If we don't know the truth, we're going to be led into error because everything's going to seem right and okay to us. Right? When we don't have the Scripture, know that we have misconceived concepts of God and our own identity in Him. You've got to know who you are in God. Every problem I've ever seen with anybody results back to they don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know what he's done for them. They don't walk according to their identity and their purpose and their plan. They don't, have, they don't understand the power God gave them to be victorious over sin. They're listening to the lie of the enemy saying, you can't, you won't, you, you should have. And we have to say, no, I know who I am in God. I am more than a conqueror. I am victorious. This little problem that's happening right now, it's going, it's going to go away. Because Jesus has promised, the word of God has promised it. Lastly, how do we stay free from deception? As I was thinking about this, the Lord just popped into my brain, Ephesians 6, 10, and that is so, I mean, what else is there? He said, be, be, uh, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. Let me tell you what that word strategies means. Craftiness, scheming, and deceit. He said, you be strong in the Lord, put on all the armor, then you're going to be firm and stand against every deceit of the devil. And then he goes on to tell us, what do we have to do? What do we have to, what do we have, how do we stand? Number one, we put on the belt of truth. We've talked about this so many times, and you guys, I'm sure, know this. What is the belt of truth? It's a life based on the truth of God, His Word, and Jesus. It's a life that, that, remember, that belt holds everything else together. So we have to put on that belt of truth. And that, interestingly, that's the first thing he mentions. Then he says, the breastplate of righteousness. I believe that's walking in God's identity. That he has given to you. I'm a, I'm a child of God. I am the righteousness of Christ. Because I walk according to the word. Because when I do slip up, I ask God to forgive me. And he restores me back. Number three, the shoes of peace. And that's faith in God because God causes peace and not fear. Number four, the shield of faith. That's the truth. A trusting God quenches the lies of the devil. When the devil comes at you and says, you're not ever going to do it. The, fa- the shield of faith goes up and says, I am more than a conqueror through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Number five, the helmet of salvation. That's reliance upon Jesus. That's being born again. Having the salvation, having our minds saturated with the knowledge that we have made Jesus Lord of our life. Number six, the sword of the Spirit, which is the proclamation of the word. You take the sword and you hit the devil with it, right? You come out. That's the proclamation of the word. That's why we declare in here. So it's very important not just to keep the word here, but to speak it out of our minds, mouths. And finally, prayer, and that's relationship with God. Prayer is a privilege. Prayer is such a privilege. What don't we have that we would have had had we prayed? And I believe that, that God, that we walk in such a day of deception when the, the airways are filled with lies. People will just will say anything to gain favor for themselves, to take advantage of. We have to know those that we're, we walk among. We have to get rid of toxic relationships that keep us held back because of deception and lies and deceits and all of this. This is up on the podcast. These notes are on the podcast if you want. I see a lot of people taking notes and pictures. But we have to avoid deception at any cost, and we do it by the word of God. Let's stand, if you will. Where's Pastor Zach?
I'm just going to pray and break off a spirit of deception. I don't want to be deceived, do you? I don't want, I'm not going to be deceived. And the only way we're not going to be deceived is by doing this, knowing the truth. I just had a thought. I remember when I was in the uh, laboratory doing product development, and sometimes we thought that this is the way a thing should work. And so we would proceed that way. And you know what? It didn't work because we were believing something in error. We weren't believing truth. But when we discovered the truth about it and began to put the right process in place, then we began to see, oh, things are starting to work better. And the same thing happens in our life. If we're, if we're trying to live a life, a process by not knowing or not understanding truth, then we're, we're going to have error. We're going to have explosions. I had a couple of explosions. So we're going to have, our life is going to explode. So I'm going to pray over you, then I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Zach. So Father, I just thank you for every person here. God, we just rebuke a spirit of deception. Father, I pray first and foremost for a, a fresh renewal of passion for the Word of God. Lord, that we, I break off every spirit of slumber, every spirit of apathy, every spirit of complacency. Father, they say, well, I just don't know it, I don't understand it. That's a lie of the enemy. You can know and understand as well as anyone. God, so we break that lie off of the minds of your people. We thank you, God, that your word is truth. Your word leads us to truth and not to deception. You said in John 17, sanctify us by the truth. My word is truth. God, we receive that. So, Lord, I break off of every person here. Any lie that the enemy has spoken to them, about them, against them, in the mighty name of Jesus. If they have to live a certain way or they have to act a certain way or they're never going to be successful, they're never going to make it, we break that lie off in Jesus' mighty name. And God, we take authority over the the lie of the devil. God, we walk in that freedom. We walk in that authority. We walk in that truth. Your word says we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. So Lord, we thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.